Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Across the nation, the phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, uh, I, I want you to do me a favor. I wrote something yesterday I, I want you to have at hand. The New York Times offices have been protested by transgender activists. One of the things that these activists are saying to the New York Times is that the New York Times has embraced pseudoscience to attack the transgender community. Now, you got to follow along with this. Ask yourself, what is the pseudoscience the New York Times has embraced? According to the transgender advocates, the pseudoscience embraced by the New York Times is that men have an XY chromosome pattern and women have an XX. The thing you have to appreciate about the transgender advocates of America and the Western world is how quickly they have moved field goals. Three years ago, they said sex is immutable and gender is a social construct that is changeable. Today, both sex and gender are changeable constructs of society. In just three years, we've gone from there are men and women biologically, but there are men and women who can uh, change as a social construct in gender to it's all changeable. The New York Times is being attacked for publishing pseudoscience against transgenderism, and that pseudoscience is basic biology, the idea that men have an XY chromosome pattern and women have an XX. That That's actually like well-settled biological science that now the transgender advocates are calling pseudoscience, and their science is that it's all fungible. It's all changeable. I wrote about this this weekend. I want you to have a copy of it. If you text DATA to 33777, you can click the second link. My point in the piece that I wrote is that take theology out of it. You do not have to make a religious argument. A lot of Christians are prone to say God made us male and female, therefore we can't make ourselves male and female. I am one of those people who believe this, but you don't have to do that. The point is pretty basic. If you've ever learned King Philip came over from Great Spain, that's how I learned it at least, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species. You have the plant kingdom, the fungus kingdom, the animal kingdom. In the animal kingdom, you have uh, various phyla. The chordata phylum is those animals that present multicellular living beings that present with a spinal column and a tail. In that uh, phylum, you have the class of mammals. The mammals have spinal columns, tail, and uh, mammary glands, among other things. 
And then in that, you have the order of the primate. So the primates have a spinal cord with a tail and mammary glands and sharp color vision, large brains, a shoulder girdle, and useful hands. Among the primates are the hominids. The hominids are the great apes that walk on their legs, have lost their tails, have a spinal column, have mammary glands, have a neocortex, have a a three-ear inner ear structure, have sharp color vision, shoulder girdle, useful hands. Among the primates is the genus Homo, of which there's only one remaining species, the sapiens. The Homo sapiens are the human beings. The Homo neanderthalus, the Homo homeless, and others have all gone extinct. And there is there are some within the Homo sapiens who would argue that there is a subspecies that defies all of biology. Because you see, biology is divided in a taxonomy of classes and orders and, and families and genus and species. And humans are mammals and primates and hominids, and there are certain grouping characteristics. And one of those things is that in human beings, you cannot change your sex. The transgender community says, but there are animals that can change their sex, and we're just like those animals, except they compare themselves to fish. Fish, they're in the phylum chordata. They've got a, they got a tail and they got a spinal column. But that's where the con that that's that's where the similarity ends. What they're claiming is something that defies all of biology. Take theological arguments out of it for just a minute, because there are some people who don't believe in your God. They don't believe in your theology. Basic biological science is incompatible with transgenderism. And so what transgenderism has done, the advocates of it have captured institutions like Scientific America, where they now make bold claims about gender, saying that that gender is, we now know stuff we didn't know. Except it's not really true. It is propaganda. It is pseudoscience. And they are telling us to embrace their pseudoscience as science and reject science as pseudoscience. But it's also a very weird thing because you're very unlikely to find a poor Christian in Nigeria or a middle-class Hindu in India or a wealthy kid in a two-parent nuclear household in Korea who presents as transgender. It is almost a uniquely Western white phenomenon of the middle and upper middle and rich classes of Western white secular society, where many times it's a kid who has had some level of emotional abuse or trauma or a desire to fit in, and typically a one-parent household, but sometimes two-parent household, uh, where where the kid is, is struggling. And they would claim that this emotional stress translates into some physical change in attributes, and it's simply not true. But this is what's happening in our society right now. It is by logic, by reason, by science, by faith. It is all deeply incompatible with with all of the above, and yet this is what they push. And they cannot win the argument scientifically, and they cannot win the argument by reason. They cannot win the argument theologically. So what they have decided to do is to bully, badger, cajole, and pressure people to shut up. They win through silence, and so you must not be silent. 
What you should do is text the word DATA to 33777. Text DATA to 33777. That second link is what I wrote this weekend. You should have it on hand. Read it, digest it, process it. Make sure you have it on hand because these arguments are going to become more and more prevalent from the left. I mean, they're trying to shut down the New York Times' coverage of transgenderism because they think the New York Times is being too even-handed as opposed to going all in on the agenda. That tells you everything you need to know. These people don't want to win the argument through logic, through reason. They want to win it through shutting everybody up. I just, you know, um, this is, I, 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 maybe it's a character flaw. I don't know that it's a character flaw, but I just, I have always been this way. That when everybody rushes towards something, I tend not to. When the drumbeat is all in one direction, and I wouldn't say it's contrarianism, because I don't necessarily take the exact opposite approach. I know people who do, who take the exact opposite approach. But there are people who, when the herd goes in one way, I just, I, I try to be a little more, I, I, I don't like groupthink, I guess is what it is. I was always that kid. My kids are very much this way. My kids do not like group work in school. They, they despise group work in school. And I was very much like that. When I was in a group, I just want, let me do all the work. You'll get the credit. I just want to make sure it's done right. And I'm kind of like that with, with everything else too. When, when the whole group goes in one direction, like for example, back in the day, when Red State started, uh, the, the blog I helped start, uh, all the bloggers, very buddy-buddy. To this day, lots of friendships made. Buddy-buddy, uh, they hang out together, they go to conferences together and stuff. And I always, I'm not unfriendly. I am friendly. It's just not my thing. I'm kind of defined offline, not online. And I, I know a lot of people who their, their, their career is kind of online and their friendships are online friendships that they've taken offline and and, and not, I've got some great friends I've met through radio, but I just, I don't want to be that person who defines my life by what I do behind a microphone or defines my life by what I do behind a keyboard. And I just, I tread cautiously very often on this stuff. And, and then in the opposite, I find oftentimes when everybody's being really cautious on something, that's when I go in guns blazing Leroy Jenkins myself. It's, it's just a unique personality trait, I suppose. But on this... I just find that when the left decides they're going to win the argument by making sure the rest of us have to self-censor, that that's when I feel like I have a microphone and an obligation to speak up. Because not all of you can. I hear from people all the time in businesses across America who feel like if they speak up, they're going to have a job penalty. If they speak up, if they if they just say what they actually believe, they're going to get punished for it. I had a guy reach out a while back who was invited to an event that he did not feel comfortable going to. And he got in trouble at his office because it was noticed he was the one person from his office who did not show up at the event. And it was related to a, a trans agenda issue. And he said he it was uncomfortable in his office. But there were other people who would come up to him and tell him how appreciative they were of the fact that he was brave enough not to go. I just, you got to speak up on this stuff. It's just not right what's happening. 
I mean, the fact that you see the the the, the lack of reason, the the lack of even trying to make an articulable case, the willingness to take over institutions and peddle stuff. I mean, I feel bad for kids in medical school right now. There are so many medical schools that have been taken over by this agenda, by this ideology, and kids are having a real hard time. I mean, more and more stories come out that uh, they no longer talk about the male and female biology. They talk about the the biology based on body part. And that's just, that's bizarre to me because, you know, you can artificially create a body part. That doesn't mean it's your body part. And where do the misdiagnoses come from? And this is my fear, honestly, in the medical community is that there are going to be tons and tons of situations coming up in the next few years where people are misdiagnosed by doctors because uh, the trans community went from telling us that sex was distinct to uh, sex is also fungible. So when you have the, the pregnant man come in and they decide to treat him for obesity instead of pregnancy. Or you have the woman come in who has problems and they don't even think to examine her for prostate and find out she's got prostate cancer because she's actually a he and and, and the pregnant man is actually a woman. Biology still matters. And also, my last provocative point on this, it is not a coincidence that as religion fades in the West, we see this rise of, of pagan superstition. Now, what do I mean by that? It's a very specific point some people don't appreciate. Until the Judeo-Christian religion was prevalent in the West, it was very common to believe that the sun and the moon were gods. In fact, the Greeks believed that Apollo as Helios drove a chariot across the sky every day and his sister Artemis drove the chariot at night. And it was the sun and the moon, and they were going across the sky because they were gods. Only when the Judeo-Christian religion comes along, contrary to every other religion on the planet, and says, actually, those are objects in the sky. They're not gods. Only then was it safe to try to figure out how they went across the sky. Because if you tried to come up with a way of how they went across the sky and they were gods, you were in danger of being a heretic or an apostate. Only when the Christian Judeo-Christian concepts come along, and the sun and the moon are objects in the sky, is it safe to try to figure out what they are and how they move without being branded a heretic or an apostate? It opened the door, the Judeo-Christian religions opened the door for reason and the Enlightenment period in ways that other religions would not have allowed. It's one of the unique things in Western civilization you should be able to appreciate. A monotheistic culture gave license for reason. It wasn't always perfect. It took time to play out, but it played out. And it's not a coincidence that as the Judeo-Christian religions fade from the West, pagan superstition comes back in. Look at the rise of crystal shops and things like that. These things exist in the void of a logic and reason derived from that Western civilization legacy, and they play themselves out in madness in the town square now where people who are sane must shut up so the crazies can rule the day. So my kid has a queen-size bed. We've got a king-size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets, and he's used them. He had, like, kid sheets, and now he's old enough he doesn't want the, the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because, I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen-size sheets, and they got put in our closet, and the kid was in despair. 
We got him Bolin Branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer. And he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of Bolin Branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness, my seriously, my kid, uh, he's finally like, my sheets are for kids. I'm I'm grown up now, and uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had, and now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress, too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed, and it fits. It doesn't, like, bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bowling Branch sheets when you use promo code Eric at BowlingBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Well, Don Lemon wasn't at work today. Uh, CNN says he's not in jeopardy at the network, but he was supposed to be back today, and he wasn't after those Nikki Haley comments. Um, I, 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 y'all, I'm, I I don't know what to make of this morning show on CNN. Here's the thing. When you look at uh, CBS This Morning, The Today Show, Good Morning America, Fox and Friends, even Morning Joe on MSNBC, you've got this conversational gathering of people in the mornings to, you want to start your day with, who wants to start their morning with Don Lemon? I, I don't know that Chris Lick, the new president of CNN, understood what he was getting there. Uh, it's it's a news show. It, it doesn't come across as, as warm and friendly, which is what people want in the morning. Like, I like to do the news. I like to to do the breaking news. But come on, they, they need to do something different. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Uh, I want to dive into a topic that might put me at odds with some of my friends. And it's a case before the Supreme Court. It's a sad case you need to know about. The case is called Gonzalez versus Google. I'm not a big fan of Google or Alphabet Incorporated. I don't think they are fair to conservatives. I think that the more we have learned about the uh, progressive activists who work within Google, we should view Google with caution. But I hope they win this case in the United States Supreme Court. In this case, it's brought by the family of Noemi Gonzalez. She was a college student. She was more than one of 100 people killed during a terrorist attack by ISIS. She, if I remember right, was in a nightclub that was bombed by ISIS in 2015. There were a series of terrorist attacks. The family is suing Google and Twitter in a separate case, different family, related incident. Uh, But they're suing social media companies, Google in particular, is on deck here because they argue that Google's algorithm led to people down rabbit holes, particularly ISIS recruitment videos and other ISIS videos 
were on YouTube and that the algorithm radicalized people. There is no evidence that the terrorists saw the videos. I'm flabbergasted the case got this far. There is no evidence the terrorists saw the videos on YouTube. But the family, and I will read for the Wall Street Journal here, the family or the plaintiffs allege that YouTube failed to take down some ISIS terrorist videos and even recommended them to users. They say that makes Google liable for damages under the Anti-Terrorism Act, although they haven't presented evidence that the terrorists involved saw those videos. In essence, the plaintiffs and their allies argue that Section 230 protection shouldn't apply to plaintiffs' algorithmic recommendations of harmful content. Now, we need to unpack that last bit here. Section 230 is what gave rise to the modern Internet, and it is a source of contention for the left and the right these days. It is a statute, 47 U.S.C. Section 230. In particular, Clause C, Subclause 1. 47 U.S.C. Section 230C1 says this, quote, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. That's one of the key points. No provider under Section 2, subsection 2, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be held liable on account of any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of material that the provider or user considers to be obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable, whether or not such material is constitutionally protected or any action taken to enable or make available to information content providers or others the technical means to restrict access to materials described. Now, this is the conundrum here. It says no provider or user of the interactive computer service shall be liable on account of any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access or any action taken to enable or make available uh, the technical means to restrict access. It doesn't say they can avoid liability for any action voluntarily taken to enable access. Essentially, what the plaintiffs argue is that because Section 230 says that there will be no liability for prohibiting content, but doesn't say there shall be no liability for enabling content, that they should be sued for being able to enable content. However, the preceding subsection says no provider or user shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided. In other words, 
you can't claim that they are the publisher. You can't claim that they are the speaker for liability purposes. Now, this is somewhat complicated. I want to distill this down for you. What the plaintiffs and many on the outside are saying is that because Google's algorithm made ISIS content available for people, they should be held accountable for inspiring and emboldening and enabling terrorists, even though these particular terrorists may not have seen the information. I personally think that's a garbage argument. I personally think that there is no evidence, nor was any submitted by the plaintiffs, showing that these terrorists saw the videos. And you should not hold Google specifically liable for the actions of someone when there is no evidence that those people looked at the information presented through the Google search. That should be common sense. But people want Section 230 changed. And here is where I have got to part ways with some friends of mine on this. I do not believe conservatives should be arguing for the United States Supreme Court to change a law written by Congress. That is the height of progressivism. That's not conservative. Conservatism is saying, hey, this is a law drafted by Congress. Let's go to Congress with a plan to change it. You should not be using the Supreme Court to do what you can't get Congress to do. That's been one of the hallmark fights of the conservative movement for the last 50 years since Roe v. Wade. You should not be going to court and telling the court, hey, we want you to reinterpret or add an interpretation to a law because we don't think the law is clear. Because it says actions to restrict, it doesn't say actions to enable. So therefore, you should be able to do this. I don't think that's smart. I also think this opens a bag, uh, bag of worms for conservatives. See, one of the conservative arguments about Section 230 is Section 230 allows social media companies to police content without getting sued. They can moderate content. They can decide what gets seen, what doesn't get seen, who gets blocked, who doesn't get blocked. And a lot of them, Twitter in particular, but also Google, they have a bias against conservatives. I think it does everyone a fairness to admit there is a bias against conservatives. Progressives like to deny it. They shouldn't. It's true. Twitter itself, the Twitter files, as we've seen as Elon Musk has opened the doors of Twitter, shows a relentless bias against conservatives by the former operator owners of Twitter. And what Twitter user or Twitter Owners said is, well, this is Section 230. We get to moderate the content. And they used Section 230 to protect themselves from lawsuits for moderating conservatives. Some conservatives want to overplay their hand, though, and get rid of Section 230 altogether. Here's what happens if Section 230 goes away. The Internet, as you know it, goes away. Joe Schmo goes on Twitter and says, Joe Blow, Joe Schmo says of Joe Blow that Joe Blow is a drug addicted pedophile who regularly abuses his wife and his dog, not to mention his children. Right now, under the law, Joe Blow cannot sue Twitter. He has to sue the person who said it, which is Joe Schmo. 
You get rid of Section 230, he can sue Twitter. And who do you think he's going to sue? His deadbeat neighbor who lives in the double wide who wrote the nasty stuff about him on Twitter? Or is he going to sue Twitter who hosted it? Right now with Section 230, Joe Schmo gets to say all the awful stuff against Joe Blow and gets to slander him. And, and Joe Blow has to sue Joe Schmo for slandering him, not Twitter for providing the platform. Facebook goes away without Section 230. Comments go away on Instagram and probably pictures too. Twitter gets shut down. YouTube has to go away. A lot of the modern internet goes away. Now, there is a, a there is a portion of me that thinks this is a good thing for society if all this gets shut down by having Section 230 go away. Part of me, I mean, part of you, you you got to acknowledge that there have been a lot of social ills that have come from the rise of social media. Uh, suicide rates among teens has gone up. Depression has gone up. Despair has gone up. All sorts of other stressors in life have gone up thanks to social media. You get rid of Section 230, the house of cars falls down. Snapchat cannot stay in business. TikTok cannot stay in business. Twitter cannot stay in business. YouTube cannot stay in business. Facebook cannot stay in business. You get rid of Section 230, they suddenly become liable for everything every person says on their websites. They can't sustain it. There are not enough people available to read all the content that gets posted and delete the stuff they think must be deleted. They rely on algorithms to do that. They rely on AI to do that. They would no longer be able to do that. Therefore, they would have to shut it all down. There are people who want to break the internet, and I am sympathetic to it, but it would be bad. We can't get rid of Section 230. There are ways to modify it. There are ways to modify it. People way smarter than me have come up with ideas. But on the case at hand, this Google case before the Supreme Court, I hope you understand why it's really bad and why you should be on the side of Google. Sometimes you have to hope that the people you don't particularly care for win because there's a greater policy position at stake here. The idea that Google should be liable for terrorists who maybe did not even see the content and the people cannot even provide evidence to show they saw the content, that's really bad. That's making Google culpable for a terrorist. We don't even know the terrorists used Google. We don't know the terrorists saw the videos. We don't know the terrorist was persuaded to become a terrorist by the algorithm. This is trying to find someone to blame because your daughter died and you can't blame the terrorist who killed himself. So you're going to blame the company with a deep pocket so you can be consoled in wealth. That should be anathema to all of us. That should be bad form for all of us. I pity the parents who lost their child. But the idea that Google is responsible for the death of their child and they have no evidence whatsoever that Google caused the terrorists to become terrorists. That's bad. That's bad form. That's bad law. That's bad everything when it comes to setting precedent. And you should not support that no matter how much you don't like Google. You should not support suing Google because somebody somewhere in the world did something bad and they might have been able to Google how to do it, but you don't know whether they did or not. And that's what this case argues. There are ways to reform Section 230. To my conservative friends... Do it through Congress. For 50 years, the conservative movement has argued that when the left can't get its way democratically, it goes to court. Do not become the left. Our ways cannot be their ways. 
find a way to make a compromise, build a coalition, and get it done through Congress. Do not use the Supreme Court to do your legislative bidding because then you're no better than the left. Section 230 can be fixed. To fix it in this way, in this case, would be bad for all of us. I hope you understand why. To sue a third party because someone did something bad to you. And that person may or may not have used the third party. And you have no evidence they did use the third party. But because they might have used the third party, you should be able to sue them. No, that's a terrible, terrible precedent to take. And the Supreme Court and you and I and the conservative movement that has always opposed judicial rewriting of legislation should be on Google's side even as we recognize there's room to fix Section 230. There's also room to deal with your portfolio out there, and I want to recommend Advantage Gold to you. If you want to beef up your portfolio, you want to, well, you want to add gold to your portfolio, whether it's for your retirement or just your general investing. People have asked me, who should I go to? I, here's why I went with Advantage Gold, and you can call them, 800-450-2566. They're TrustLink's number one rated, highest rated gold company for seven years in a row. But more importantly, they actually answer your questions, no pressure, no gimmicks. Uh, that's what I like. So many companies out there that are involved in gold, conservatives, you should know, conservative listeners tend to kind of be self-help individuals. You, you don't tend to go rely on a bunch of other people. You want to do your investments yourself. And there are a lot of companies out there that are so gimmicky. Advantage Gold just wants to answer your questions and they think you'll do business with them just because of the caliber quality of their advice. Uh, right now, they'll also give you a free gold IRA investment kit if you call them tells you how to uh, involve gold in your IRAs, which can be done, but there are some quirks, and they are very good at explaining all of this to you. 800-450-2566. Gold can be good against inflation. It can be good against wild stock market swings. And if you have questions, Advantage Gold can answer them. Tell them I sent you. Call them at 800-450-2566. They can help you with your current retirement. They can help you with your current investments, your 401k even. Uh, you, You might be able to use gold with it, but you need to call Advantage Gold. And again, no gimmicks, just straight, honest advice. They got the best of the business. 800-450-2566. This other program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. They are in Noonan, Georgia, but if you're in Portland, Oregon, or Miami Beach, it doesn't matter. They can help your business grow. They are a family-run business that makes their own lending decisions. They can help your business. You're buying a building, building, building. uh, $750,000 deals and more, though. Big deals for big people, big businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. You can get all their contact info. FirstLibertyGA.com. Just tell them I sent you. And spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a fit for you and you for them. Okay, listen, um, I, I got I to gotta tell you, I, I pivoted some stuff around because I wanted to talk about that Google story. I've been meaning to talk about it, and, and as it heads to the Supreme Court, it is ripe. I, I got to play you some audio. And this is, well, from 
the Norfolk Southern CEO who went to East Palestine, Ohio. Also in town today, as you mentioned, is the CEO of the railway responsible for this disaster that has sent cancer-causing chemicals into the town's air, water, and soil. Our cameras caught up with him as he was leaving the incident command center earlier today. I'm here to support the community, and um, if you'll excuse me, that's where I'm headed right now to meet with some community members. You know, Donald Trump said he was going to go to East Palestine, Ohio, after Biden's FEMA said no money through FEMA. And now suddenly uh, the whole of the Biden administration is going, except for Joe Biden. He decided to show up in Kiev instead of East Palestine. If he can show up in Kiev, surely he can show up in East Palestine. If the CEO of Norfolk Southern can show up to make amends with this community, surely the president of the United States can show up as well. It's actually kind of remarkable that the CEO of Norfolk Southern and Donald Trump will show up in this community and the president of the United States will not. Uh, you know, Republicans are going to win this area in 2024. If, if Ohio were more of a swing state, you and I know darn well Joe Biden would be there. But since it's not, he's not going there. I mean, I'm glad he's in Keith, but he could have swung by East Palestine on the way there.